been a star of their season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a question. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome to episode 12. And today I bring on a very highly anticipated guest. This is a guy that I've been getting hit up. It's like, hey, when are you going to have him on? Well, he wanted to marinate into the spring games, put out all his wonderful articles, and really give you a good deep dive of some of these players that we have. He also happens to be our uh, team resident Oklahoma guy, so he's going to help us deep dive into that as day. Of course, he is the master of IPAs because I don't drink IPAs, but this man is the master of it. <laughs> it is Mr. Nate Marquise at CFF Nate on Twitter. Nate, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing, bud? Thanks for having me on. Uh, master of IPAs may be my favorite uh, name, nickname, introduction I've ever received on a on a pod. So that's awesome. Well, we, now we need to add it to the Twitter handle. So if there's room for Twitter, <laughs> I think it should be on there as well. It's going on. It's going on the profile. Master of IPAs. Master yeah, of I love IPAs. it. I love okay. it. Hey, I'm not. Af- I'm not afraid to to crush a stout either. So yeah, all of that is good to me. That I can that I can have with you. I'm, I'm good on the stouts and I'm good on the sours, not so much in the IPA. So I'll let right you on. be the master of helping me through the hoppiness basically as well. Uh, but Nate, welcome to the show, man. Uh, I know people have been clamoring to have you on. So now you have completed the uh, the double of CTNA and now the Future Freshman Podcast. We'll have you on for the CFFU Podcast to complete the trifecta, but it's good to have right you on, on man. Uh, before we get started and we do some deep dive, we have a little bit of housekeeping to go as well. Of course, we want you to visit thecampusdecanton.com. They're where you're getting weekly articles as well. You're getting everything as far as tools, ADP. Uh, of course, they have different tier memberships. I always recommend the NIL, of course, because we'll talk about something here in just a minute that you get access to when you have the NIL membership as well. Um, rankings, uh, anything to do as far as like bets and props, that's going to be available as well. A lot of my CFFU stuff will be available too. So if you're looking some DFS, you're looking to um, some prop bets with prize picks that can be available for you as well. Of course, we have anything to do with college and the NFL side. It's, of course, if you're in a Campus to Canton League, this is the premier uh, website to go check out. So please check that out. That's campusdecanton.com. And of course, we have the Debbie guy that's been on sale since 6 1. 2022. So a few days have passed now. It's currently $20. Or if you are one of those NIL subscribers, that should already happened and went to your email. I want to say uh, these guys did a fantastic job. Uh, a lot of, you know, deep amounts of profile that happened to place. Um, these guys spent a lot, a lot of time and you can definitely see it within the actual uh, write-ups. And of course, uh, shout out to the people behind the scenes like Hannah and those that actually helped with the cover and the actual look and feel of the Debbie guide. So uh, thank you for that. You guys did a fantastic job. Uh, I've been able to skim through a couple of these pages and this really helped me out a little bit to kind of deep dive even into my NFL fantasy type stuff. Um, Guys already kind of know from the college, but it always helps to have a deeper perspective of people that actually look in the NFL draft stock. So that is nice to have. Um, So go check that out if you can. Of course, they have the link inside campuscan.com if you just want to purchase that. Uh, so please go check out the Debbie guide. And speaking of guides, we have a CFF guide that's coming out as well. Uh, me, Nate, of course, Jared and Chris, we are deep into the uh, process now, starting to put up these team profiles. We have over 130 teams to work with. So we're kind of steadily moving that along as well. Um, so, you know, be on the lookout for that. We're looking at a July type uh, release, uh, but we'll keep you guys posted as that's going on. Uh, Nate, just from doing some of the write-ups that you've done already, what are you looking forward to probably the most out of the guide, you know, coming up here next month? 
Well, the thing that that I have really enjoyed is as I'm diving really, really deep into some of these programs is taking a look at it from an analytical perspective and seeing uh, you know, exactly what we're looking at from a neutral game um, script, you know, pass rating versus rush and and the line yards created and those types of things are really good to just see, okay, do we see trends here? Is is the, the, the offensive line performance for Oregon State, who was first in the country last year uh, in line yards created, is that an anomaly or is that something we, we tend to see? And uh, how is that going to affect the running back room and those types of things? So being able to kind of dive deep into, into that element and look at it from that lens has been really um, – Kind of eye-opening for me as I go through some of these uh, some of these teams. So I think people really enjoy that, and uh, it really just kind of puts uh, some more just information that they can use, tools in their toolbox to use, and and be able to analyze and and determine how they're going to rank players and that type of thing. So I think it's pretty pretty valuable information to how deep we're going into some of these programs. Yeah, uh, and just to add to that. Uh... For me, you know, having uh, like a Phil Steele type magazine every single year that you can get your hands on, stuff like that. I love like what he does as far as the write-ups. So kind of going to this, just seeing the change and the differences that happen in just a year between programs and being able to see the in and out and the movement and stuff like that. And then the coaching changes and stuff like that. It's really cool to see that. But of course, we're going to bring it to you from a CFF perspective. So I like that. It's kind of like the Phil Steele type situation, but at a CFF lens. And that's something that is I'm really stoked about. So I'm glad that... uh we're going to be putting this out. So just be keeping a lookout for that. Like I said, we're looking at July release. Of course, I want to give a shout out to our uh, guy, Nicholas Ethan Allen at CFB Winning Edge. Uh, he supplies us with all the depth charts here that you see as well, as well as uh, offensive and uh, overall uh, team return rate on there as well, as far as the percentages and things like that. So it gives me a more in-depth, accurate one as well. Um, you can start by any of his tiers, but of course the first tier is only $5 to kind of get you up and running. I highly recommend that. Uh, if you're just looking at depth charts, you want to have something that's current that you can actually get in the, you know, within the time frame of like if someone transfers immediately, it's going to be on the sheet within a day. Or if you're looking at someone that uh, will we'll say like a Javon Baker decided he didn't want to be at Kentucky anymore. Now he's in UCF. Boom. And now he's on the sheet for UCF. So now you have him there as well. So you're not missing out on anything here. Uh, Nick and his team does a great job. So please go check out. Uh, patreon.com slash CFB winning edge. Um, and then tell them Brandon, the future freshman podcast sent you and the guys at C2C is enjoying his work. So keep up the good work. And then of last, of course, we have the promo code CFFU. If you're doing prize picks on the app as well, of course, that's any prop bets have. I know a lot of us have a lot of good time, especially during the college season is about finding our favorite ones. So whether that's a prop on yardage that you can do, um, you can do fantasy points, which is probably our favorite and why the CFFU podcast is kind of even there to kind of help you win on your daily basis. Of course, you can get a matching deposit up to $100. So please go check that out. Um, like I said, the promo code is at CFFU, uh, and we will highly appreciate it. So we are going to move on, and we're going to talk about the deep dive, the Oklahoma Sooners. Of course, this is called dropping the boom er on there as well. <laughs> there. I like to do my little puns to go along with it as well. Uh, Nate, you ready nice. to dive into your favorite team, good sir? Yeah, man, I'm I'm stoked. Finally, get to talk some freshmen uh, with this incoming class for the Sooners. I know, man. All right, and we're gonna start with Mister Gavin Salchuk, who I think is probably would see the most polarizing, only because he's probably just now starting to make his way towards campus. Um, so we'll talk about him a little bit. We'll kind of deep dive. So let's start with his profile. He's five feet 11, 185 pounds. He's the fifth overall running back in the 22 class. He did play in the All-American Bowl as well as the Polynesian Bowl this past year as well. 
Um, the big thing is the track standout. So he ran 6.78 indoor 60 as a sophomore. Uh, he's ran a sub 11 uh, for the 100 yards as well. Uh, and then, of course, he's ran a 21.81 for the 200 yard as a freshman. So the kid is lightning fast to go along with it. Um, in 2022, he only played seven games in his junior season, but he did help uh, Valor Christian to a Colorado 5A state runner-up finish. So they didn't quite get the job done, but he did get him to the mountaintop. It goes along with it as well. Uh, we had our friend Matt Bruning, who was able to do his write-up here for the actual freshman and supplemental guide, which you can also purchase. So go check that out when you get a chance. Um, but he said he had an impressive high school career, over 4,000 yards combined. And that's something, Nate, that you wrote up in your article as well. And I kind of want to bring that up for those that are doing it. It's the RBU series that we have over at Campus to Canton, where Sawchuck had a ton of work. But it looks like at the next level, he's probably going to be more of their fast pace. I always think of like a Devin A. Chain, uh, guys like that are just really track stars, but very quick, but can get the job done, I guess, you know, when it comes out to those passing down backs type situation. Um, what's your thoughts on uh, Sawchuck? I know the comparisons, Christian McCaffrey, because of the same school and things like that. But uh, I know you had some thoughts about Sawchuck to begin with, but do you kind of agree with the, um, the C2C guys and, you know, kind of the community that Sawchuck is the speed guy? He's going to be behind the curb, but we do expect him maybe some passing work, you know, lining up in the slot or something like that. What's your thoughts here on Sawchuck as he's coming in into the summertime? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously the interesting thing is is we haven't got to see him yet on campus, un, unlike Javante Barnes, who who did participate in spring, and we got a look at him, a, a pretty extensive look at him during the spring game. Um, and, yeah, I, obviously the the comparisons are there with C Christian McCaffrey, and, you know, I, I don't think that's really fair um, for Salchuk. Uh, I, I think it really has more to do with the fact that they went to the same high school uh, they're both speed guys, and I will say Sawchuck catches the ball fairly well out of the backfield. So uh, there could be a role early on for him in, in that sense. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's, um, you know, I mean, he's a 10-8-100 guy. He's, he is a bit of a long strider, um, but he's able to make some really nice cuts as he gets into that second level without really having to gear down too much, which is really nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's in, and you, you, if you watch the tape, I mean, there's a number of times he throws a pretty strong stiff arm as well. So, mm -hmm. but I, I, I certainly have my concerns with the size. We're talking about a guy that's, that's 5'11, 180, 185 ish, uh, wasn't able to get in, like we said, for the spring. So he hasn't hit that, um, that strength and conditioning program yet. And he's already kind of behind the curve as it stands with, with, um, his size anyways, so, I mean, I say those are, that's, that's kind of my biggest concern is, is, you know, he's, he's just undersized and he's a little bit behind um, the, the other incoming freshmen, you know, size and, and Javante Barnes are the two main concerns that we have if we're looking to invest in Salchuk here. Yep, Absolutely. And I, I, I see it. I mean, if he can get down, you know, whether he does receiving work or he can just, you know, bust one of those uh, wide open and kind of get to the edge, I think he has the potential to kind of bust off a big play here and there. Oh. I think, you know, it's one of those things where maybe, uh, you know, maybe Major's banged up or maybe Gray's, you know, not doing well. Barnes is taking a breather and Sawchuck just busts right out the middle. So uh, right. and we'll talk about the split and stuff like that possibly coming up. But uh, I still think he has – it's, it's going to be boom or bust. It's one of those things where I don't know if we could really ever – um, potentially, you know, have Salchuk as like a starting, you know, running back as far as a lineup is concerned in CFF, but he definitely could be a flex play here or there, kind of depending on who they're facing, whether it's an FCS team or, a, 
you know, someone from the Mac or something like that. Is your same sentiment as well when you kind of look at Solchuk or? Yeah, I mean, uh, buried in yeah. That chart? And, I, and I think what you said, as far as a guy that can get outside and 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 have um, throughout the season a, a handful of really home run type plays, I think is a really fair assessment on him. He's he's somebody I like to say he's not an ankle breaker. He's an angle breaker. I mean, guys are, they have a really tough time getting tracking down an angle on him because he just can, he can, he can generally outrun them and their angles are kind of bad. Um, but but I, yeah, I mean, as far as, as far as him being an every down back and a guy that could handle uh, a sizable workload, that's where, that's where I would have my concerns. He's somebody that you might have, even, even if it gets to the point on down, uh, down the road in his career where he's splitting time uh, with Javante Barnes, it's, it might be hard to determine, okay, which game am I going to start him? Which game is going to be the one where he breaks off that 65 yard touchdown run. And then we may have a handful of other games where he gets, you know, eight carries for uh, 29 yards and, and he's not getting much of the goal line work because we've got some other guys ahead of him that are just more suited for that, um, for that type of role. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Nate. Um, so that's a great segue. And we're going to actually move into the actual depth chart that we have here as well. Um, before we get started, let's break down the FBS offers. Uh, Solchuk had over 27 offers, which I thought was really good. That's not even including the FCS offers. So he actually had over 30, which I thought was pretty great. Um, of course, the notes, he's not there till summer. We kind of drove that home. But I want to talk about the, the depth chart a little bit. So the uh, we lost Kenny DeBrooks, who uh, got a great free agent uh, you know, contract with the Eagles. So we wish him well over in the NFL as well. But we are left with Eric Gray who was who we thought was going to be the actually starting running back. Uh, but he kind of like gave way to Kennedy Brooks as Brooks kind of took on the majority of the load. However, Eric Gray has the most starts. He has 12 games started. Uh, he did uh, accumulate over 111.1 fantasy points, averaging out to 8.5 fantasy points per game. Uh, he is 98% rostered. So most of anyone that's on fan tracks actually does have him. And he's 55% started. So a lot of people are thinking that Eric Gray, of course, now that Kennedy Brooks is out of the way, is there. Um, and of course, his uh, you know partner there in crime. Of course, the other senior is Marcus Major. Uh, he has started one game. Uh, he only got 10.5 fantasy points last season in 2021, which is only 2.6 fantasy points per game. He is 55% rostered, so people think that you know some there's a majority that thinks Eric Gray does the same thing like last year, and Marcus Major kind of takes over that load. Um, and then of course, we did talk about Javante Barnes in episode five where we think he's got a fast track to possibly get some um, some action here this year. Of course, he's the freshman. He's 6'0", came in at 190, but from what we're hearing, especially from you, is that he's put on the right amount of weight, the right amount of muscle. Um, he's being highly praised, especially from, I like to call him a uh, fantasy football legend, DeMarco Murray, who helped me to you know get a couple of championships in the NFL as well. And he's also an Oklahoma uh, guy too. Uh, but he's, uh, Javante Barnes, already a freshman draft, 78% rostered. Uh, I believe I took him in the second round in the mock draft just because I think he has the tangibles to kind of get it done. Uh, but looking at this depth chart, and I know we've discussed it sometimes when it comes to the rankings episode and stuff like that, but we're not in favor of probably Eric Gray kind of getting it done this year. Are we kind of in the same thing where you think it's a Marcus Major start, or do you think Barnes just surpasses them in a couple of games? What's your thoughts here as far as the depth chart is concerned? I've been comparing it a lot to, I mean, obviously Jeff Levy comes from Ole Miss. I've been comparing it a lot to the kind of the, how they divided up shares last year at Ole Miss, where Eric Gray kind of fits that uh, Jerion Ely mold and Marcus Major, uh, bigger, works well around the goal line, more physical, fits kind of that Snoop Connor mold. 
Um, and the interesting part is, is that I think you know, I had kind of compared Javante Barnes as, as the young, you know, the new guy, the Henry Parrish of right. those three. And, and by the way, Henry Parrish got over a hundred carries last year for Old Miss. They, they had four guys get over a hundred carries. So obviously there's going to be a, a um, some level of a split, a committee that takes place here. I don't, you know, as far as, you know, I would say maybe even at the time, whenever I wrote my state of the RBU article on, on Oklahoma, that uh, I may have been even a little bit more down on Eric Gray. It's not that I'm warming up to him. Mm. I think it's that we didn't get to see, um, Marcus Major in the spring game, he was held out uh, just due to a nagging injury. And we got to see a lot of Javante Barnes and the, the fact that Javante Barnes just looked really, really good. And I think Eric Gray, no matter what, because of his receiving ability and his ability to create plays in space, and I do think that the new um, zone um, scheme that they have there, zone blocking scheme, actually fits his, his, um, his, his skill set pretty well. I, part of me, I guess, is warming up to the idea that Eric Gray will at least get a he, – he's secure in getting a, a lot of snaps early on. I just think he's got that kind of skill set that they're going to be looking for. How how he's able to hold on to those snaps as Javante Barnes starts seeing more and more time will be interesting. Or if Marcus Major plays really well early on, uh, that'll be interesting because um, – I do have concerns if Eric Gray is a complete back. Yeah. I, I'm regardless of the system, whether it's Jeff Levy or the, the previous, you know, regime and stuff like that, I kind of have this sneaking suspicion that Eric Gray just isn't, you know, capable of holding, you know, that top spot and in, in particular. And uh that's fair, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then even in your article, you know, you're really high on Javante Barnes thinking that, you know, as a guy that knows the Oklahoma, you know, and knows some of the insiders and stuff like that, they see Barnes as like a top three running back. Like they feel like they got gold because they were able to pull him away from a USC and the other schools and stuff like that. They really wanted them. Are you kind of in the same thing where Barnes is just highly coveted? And so they're, you know, increasing his workload, hoping that he can become like a Trevion Henderson and essentially break out? Or do you think this is Jeff Levy and system, system, systems? Or do you think a talent can overcome the system is kind of where I'm getting at with the question. Right. No, I, I get you. I, I, what I think is really interesting, I, and I don't know that we want to make this, um, as we talk about Gavin Sawchuk, a total Javante Barnes um, discussion. No, we'll, but, we'll go back to Sawchuk. Yeah, no, but I do think it's interesting because that's a good point. Um, Sawchuk is the higher rated uh, from the recruit, yeah. recruiting services. Sawchuk is the higher rated of the two. So I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, what are you talking about? You know, mm -hmm. this is the guy that's that's got the better pedigree. He's going to be the one that gets the reps. Mm -hmm. um, but all indications from, from people I trust within the program that talk to um, some, some, some people really deep inside there and, and even DeMarco Murray himself, that all along Javante Barnes was the prize. That's the guy mm -hmm. that they wanted. That's the guy that, that the staff, DeMarco Murray especially viewed as a top three to five running back in the country and that they were going to, um, you know, he was going to be the prize recruit of, of, of the offensive side of the ball. So, um, so rankings be damned, I guess. I, I do right. think that this staff is really interested in what they've seen from Barnes. And the fact, like you mentioned, he's, yeah, he was listed at 190. They say he's he's easy at 205 already. Um, yeah. he's, putting, he's putting on good weight. And I've heard a lot of people say that uh, even though from, from a weight standpoint and what they're listed on, on the metrics um, on roster, 
he already looks like probably the biggest back of the three that were there on campus during uh during spring so it's kind of crazy i mean 205 but i guess yeah. he carries it well i don't know but um he 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 looks uh, a little bit more physically imposing than some of the other some of the other running backs so has marcus major um came down in weight a little bit throughout camp or is he because of the injury he's kind of I don't know. A little yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like like I said, maybe this is just a case of some of the, some of the people are just so excited to to get We're a look at Javante Barnes. That, yeah. yeah, that 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 the hype is just uh, you know kind of going off the rails a little bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, from from what I've from what I've read, um, Marcus Major is still pushing that kind of two twenty ish range, mm -hmm. and Eric Gray is kind of in that two hundred five to two ten range, and and. Um, yeah. And then, and then 205 plus is probably what we're looking at for Javante Barnes. Um, so let's uh, let's dive into some of the CFF and the dynasty aspect of it as well. Uh, just from the mock draft that you kind of were able to kind of see in the episode and stuff like that, do you think 2.5 or you know second round for Barnes is too high? Are you willing to wait a little longer? Are you uh, mm. are you willing to zag when people are zigging and maybe take Saltchuk, hoping that maybe he becomes like an A chain situation and we have. Barnes and Saltchuk, you know, in a year or two, that's just completely dominating. What's your what's your thoughts on draft strategy or like freshmen when it comes to, you know, uh, overall value and things like that? What's your thoughts there? My main strategy is I want the players that are going to play first. Okay. I want the players that are going to get on field the fastest and prove that number one, that shows me that the staff believes they're ready and the staff has confidence in those guys. And number two, it means that as an 18 year old that, you know, should, that's just a couple months removed from high school. They're already competing with with dudes that have been there for a couple of years, and that that's the staff saying these guys are already on at least that level, and that that shows me that that they have good potential to carry that through and not get over recruited um, for the rest of their careers. You see a lot of these guys that are the number two running backs that come into um, you know Ohio State or Alabama or whatever the case may be, and they don't get on the field immediately. They can't show what they can do. And then they get over recruited the next year and you don't hear from them again uh, until they transfer to to a G5 program. Right. So that that's for me, I don't think taking Barnes, um, you know, in the second round of that mock. I mean, obviously not a it was a it was a three person. Yes, freshman mock, not, yeah. Right. Fresh available. Mock. So, yeah. So um, I, I don't I don't think that 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 was uh, a terrible spot for him because. <laughs> I think all indications are that he is going to play early and he's going to play often. And so he kind of fits that mold. My concern is, is long-term viability from a, from a fantasy perspective, mm -hmm. Jeff Levy has yet, he's, he's had three years as, as the lead play caller. He's yet to show uh, that he's willing to feed one guy. And um, so my concern would be, is, is the volume going to be there or are we going to see a split no matter how good he is, that's that's kind of the biggest concern for me. I got you. And as far as Solchuk's concerned, would you still take him in later rounds, uh, maybe hoping for a transfer or hoping that you know he can be like a receiver at times? Or as far as like a flex play, I'm not I'm not saying he would be an RB one or two starting in that spot, but right. flex. Are you are you interested, or you're you're just uh, passing for now on Solchuk? Yeah, right now I'm I'm probably passing because I do think that because of his re recruiting pedigree and the fact that he is at University of Oklahoma that's produced mm -hmm. some nice running backs, um, I think he's probably getting taken a little bit higher 
than than where I would be comfortable with. Obviously, we're really early. We haven't seen a whole lot of of dynasty drafts in order to judge that. But just based off right. where I've seen him go, even in some C two C leagues, and how some of those yeah. guys are pretty confident in his skills. Um, I'm not saying he's somebody that I would fade, but he's somebody that I would I would only be comfortable taking him a handful of rounds after Barnes. Um, and just hope that the flip side of what we're hoping with with Barnes, if you got Barnes, you want that talent, you want him to be that guy, and that he's good enough to where Levy doesn't carry on that running back by committee. Yeah. Slotchuk's kind of the other way. You're kind of hoping that it stays a committee so that he gets a piece of it, and he gets because he's the type of guy like we talked about earlier. If he can mm-hmm. get ten to twelve carries, he's gonna bust off one of those. And then you've got your points. You got, yeah, you've got your 10, 11 points off of one run. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I would certainly be waiting on a little while after Javante Barnes. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just to make reference to C2C, I'm not saying that no one should not, you know, should not even fade. I'm I'm kind of with you. So I'll chuck, if he gets to the NFL, he has that gadget type play. Like I said, he does have that McCaffrey feel, not saying he's Christian McCaffrey, but I'm saying, you know, he has that type of pedigree, that type of catching ability that he could be a threat in the NFL. It's just, is people going to see him? So, you know, getting right. those guys on him, he has to make, he has to get on the field. So that's going to be the challenge for Gavin Solchuk. So all this to, you know, summarize before we move on from the running back backfield is that Solchuk is very talented, but for now you don't have to take him as a high regard. So, for those that you know aren't reading the articles and stuff like that, um, you know definitely can take a value at Gavin Solchuk. It's okay to you know zag if someone's zigging and going for Barnes. I'm, we're just you know touting that Barnes is probably the likely guy to take in the freshman, at least for this year for the 22-2 class. Uh, any more thoughts on the running back room before we move on to the quarterback room, sir? No, no, I think that's fair. My, I, I would just say kind of the big takeaway is. Um, you know, don't don't be totally skewed by the the recruiting rankings between the two of them, Sawchuck and and Barnes. Um, I, I think Barnes is the one to own between the two, even though he's technically slightly lower rated. Yep, I kind of agree. I think twenty four seven kind of missed the ball a little bit between the two backs, but uh, you know, they they rank how they rank. All right. So let's move on. We're going to talk about Mr. Nick Evers. Uh, he is the ninth quarterback overall in the 2022 class. In uh, 2020, he was the Texas 6A, 6A first team QB selection. So that's a very high touting as well. He's 6'3", which is great. I'd like to see a taller quarterback that can kind of see over the O-line. He is coming in as a 186. I haven't heard reports, so I'm going to pass that off to Nate. Have you heard anything as far as Evers um, gaining any muscle mass or getting a little bit bigger? Or, or is he kind of still staying at the same weight from what you've been told? Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard much as far as his weight gain. From what I've heard, he's um, he's got a little ways to go as far as developing his body right now. Yeah, uh, that's what I heard too. And I also heard, and we'll talk about it, but General Booty coming in as well as far as the transfer. Yes, that's a real name. I know you hear it every podcast, but General Booty <laughs> is a legit name. Probably one of the best names ever. It's um, a very legit name. It's the most yeah. legit name. <laughs> Not as cool as Dicker the Kicker from Texas, but I mean, it's pretty close up there. Uh but uh, Nick Evers, uh, he plays with a good confidence. So that's what I like that I saw on the tape. I think Matt Bruning here that did the write-up agrees as well. Um, he's an RPO kind of guy that uh, that's really good for campus to can and then for those that are enjoying the pros as well. Uh, he, he throws the, his motions a little lower. So that's what Matt's kind of writing is that that could cause over some turnovers. So Oklahoma will have the uh, you know advantage of developing that type of situation. I think Levy can be the guy to kind of help them out there as well too. Um, 
But as a freshman, you know, immediately Dylan Gabriel transfers in. You know, he saw the spot. Uh, of course, you know, he had some of the exodus there at OU. Venables comes in. Gabriel immediately slides in. Lovey's like, hey, uh, you know, we play your style. You want to come on in? And then Gabriel's like, yes, sir, I'll, I'll come right on in. And I'm stoked because I had Dylan Gabriel sitting on the bench thinking I was never going to play the man again. Now I have the starting <laughs> quarterback for Oklahoma. So it works right out on. in your favor if you're patient, right? Uh, <laughs> but Nick Evers I see as a uh, development type situation. Now Oklahoma is always on the track for four or five-star guys. So, you know, uh, what's your thoughts as far as, like, Evers staying with the program? Do you think – they over, you know, recruit over top of him. What's your thoughts on Evers kind of sticking around and kind of being that guy maybe after we see Gabriel exit? Do you see a battle between Evers and Booty, or do you think someone's coming in basically and we might see kind of the same mold or same blueprint that we saw this past uh, offseason? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, obviously the thing I think you have to like about Nick Evers is that he was handpicked by the new staff. This wasn't somebody that um, was already committed to OU. He, in fact, he was committed to um, Dan Mullen down at uh, mm -hmm. down at Florida. And um, obviously when there was a change of staff there, um, he decommitted. And then um, he became one of the main targets for, for Jeff Levy. And they were able to actually get him pretty quick. Him and uh, somebody else that we're going to talk about the, um, uh, the wide receiver Gibson were a package deal. So, yeah. um, so I, I mean, I, I definitely think that there, you know, there's something to that whenever the staff has handpicked him, um, and that he runs in, in high school, he's ran a very similar system to what Jeff Levy runs. Yeah. So, um, I think there's, I mean, all, you know, all that is, is those are, those are pros. That's good indications that, uh, that he could stick at OU. Um, but obviously since he's, you know, since the spring practice has ended, uh, the, the staff has clearly um, sent a message by signing two new quarterbacks. Um, they got right. uh, Bevel, Bevel from, from Pitt as a transfer. And then, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, they got General Booty, uh, mm -hmm. one of the top Juco uh, quarterbacks to come in. So that that's a really good indication that, they don't believe that they're ready for Nick Evers to be the backup quarterback should something happen to Dylan Gabriel, which as we saw last year for Dylan Gabriel is always, uh, there's always potential for that, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. As far as him being over-recruited, yeah, I mean, OU's already got uh, Jackson Arnold, um, who's also mm -hmm. a four-star. He's a top 10 quarterback coming in next year. Um, I, you know, I mean, we're probably looking too far into 2024, but I know they're pushing really, really hard for DJ Lagway, which is, uh, a top three quarterback. He, he's a five-star guy. So yep. not, not to say that Lagway would come in and, and push, uh, you know, a, a third-year QB. But, um, but I mean, I, I do think that it's not out of the question that um, that Arnold comes in and competes with him. I, uh, I don't think it's out of the question that if um, General Booty gets a fair amount of run this year, um, in either cleanup time or spot, you know, um, time just due to injury or whatever, that um, he could take uh, the lead going into next year um, uh, against Evers. So I, to answer your question, I don't think it's out of the question that um, Nick Evers is having to battle for this job. I don't think it's given that he's for sure going to be the guy moving into 2023. Yeah, it looks like in, in Bruning's write-up that he, he thinks it should be his at 2023 the latest, but this was before, you know, the, the, the two transfers coming in. So there was a lot more competition, whereas it was just Evers and Gabriel at the time of this running. So just for, you know, for perspective purposes, as we're looking into that as well. Um, so, of course, we have uh, 
his stats, 4,944 uh, passing yards, 40 passing touchdowns, um, 383 passing completions. Um, he did have 14 uh, interceptions total. Six of uh, He did have six uh, overall fumbles as far as a senior. That's what's in Ruby's matter because of his, you know, bringing a little bit lower. That's something that helped him develop. Um, according to CFB Winning Edge, this is the lineup. We, of course, have Gillen Dabriel, who's the – of, you know, the transfer senior as well. 25 games started at UCF, 102.1 fancy points, 34 fancy points per game. And that was just three three games with UCF this past season before the injury. Uh, I had him on the roster. He was my guy. I went up high for him when we did our dynasty and stuff. Of course, he went down with injury. My heart broke. Lost Mo Ibrahim in the same week. It was brutal. Um, so, you know, it happens, but now I have them both back. So patience, it's, I guess. It's right? going to work out just fine for you. I'm, I, I'm not going to be shedding any tears right now. You shouldn't. But if Mo, but we'll talk about injury here in a second. Right. So Gabriel's 100% rostered. Like, he's completely gone. He's 65% started. He is in my starting lineup, so I'm one of those 65% as well. Of course, we're talking about General Booty who's coming in from the JUCO, uh, one of the top-rated one as well. He came from Tyler Junior College. Uh, of course, right now he's completely free. Um, and, you know, right now I know a lot of people are doing supplemental with their actual um, freshman drafts. Or if you split them up, he's completely available if he doesn't go drafted. Um, this is a free pickup on Fab. And then you don't have to spend a lot of money, I don't think, because people aren't going to really clamor. Uh, they might get the name just because they want the name on the roster. It's like, hey, I roster General Booty. But, you know, that's probably where I can see where the, the, the name comes. Uh, and then, of course, you got the news. You got the sophomore, Micah Bowens. Uh, zero game started. He is a three star recruit. He did transfer out of from Penn State. So he is 2% rostered. So some people are thinking that Micah Bowens might be a sleeper in the potential as well. Um, but let's, you know, let's face it. Uh, Dylan, uh, Dylan Gabriel, he did have that, I believe, was the collarbone issue. Once that cracks, it's it's easier to do it again. And so that's where my concern is. Do you think Gabriel completes all 12 games or do you think he has some lingering issues from the past at UCF? Or do you think he's bigger and badder than ever now? And you think he can kind of complete the season? What's your thoughts there on Gabriel as the Oklahoma starter? I don't really have concerns as, as far as his, his injury. Yeah. I mean, he, um, he did fracture collarbone. That's, um, that's, that's really not something that, um, we're not talking like ligamentous, like, um, like right. an ACL. Um, it's not, it's not a reoccurring ankle or anything like that. So no, I don't have any concerns as far as, uh, as far as that. I do know that he, uh, he's bulked up quite a bit, um, uh, as he entered the, uh, the Oklahoma strength program. So he's, um, I think physically he looks great. So I, I don't have any concerns with that. That's great to hear, man. I, you know, it makes me happy, Camper, for sure. How about Micah Bowens? He's kind of like the sleeper in the process there. Do you think the transfer from Penn State to here was a good landing spot? Do you think he's depth uh, and that kind of he knows it? Or do you think he has a starting shot with Booty and, uh, and Evers here next year as Gabriel moves on? What's your thoughts there with Bowens? No, I, I think it's a pretty strange transfer, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, to, to go yeah, from that. being Penn State's uh qb3 it's 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 actually eerily similar to bevel um like you're yeah. you're you're the qb3 on your own program um the best you're probably going to be is qb3 at oklahoma um mm -hmm. i bowen's is super athletic um and I, I he's somebody that i keep i keep asking around to find out okay are they maybe now that they've added booty and bevel and they've got evers coming in now like could we see him switch over to another position? Could he be a slot guy? Could he be, yeah. could he just kind of fill kind of a, 
you know, kind of a chess piece role where they just kind of play him all over the field. And maybe he, you know, maybe they're able to toss the ball, you know, have him throw the ball a little bit, you know, just kind of a gadget guy. Uh, haven't heard that that's going to happen yet, but no, I, I don't anticipate he's somebody that um, we see taking uh, snaps under center very much this year. I gotcha. And then with uh, General Booty coming in from Tyler Jr., do you think that's more of a depth or was that to challenge uh, those quarterbacks? Kind of like we talked about, do you think Booty pushes for the starting role because he is, you know, such a highly talented Juco guy coming in? What's your thoughts there on him? Pushes this year? Uh, no, uh, next year. Cause oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was going to say, absolutely. And he's definitely not pushing Gabriel. Um, <laughs> no, no I, I think, I think they brought him in to be the two um, this year. I don't think that mm-hmm. they, I mean, all the practice reports we heard um, from spring on Nick Evers is, um, you know, they, they weren't great to be honest with you. Um, they, mm-hmm. not that they were saying that he, he didn't have a chance to ever be something special at OU, but the, mm-hmm. all the indications were is that he's quite a bit, um, behind and and not quite there, whether it's physically, um, whether it's his reads, whatever the case may be, um, he's just not quite ready yet. And so I definitely think they brought in Booty uh, to be the QB2 uh, this year, should mm-hmm. something happen to Gabriel. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that that puts him in line at the very least to strongly be in the competition with Evers and potentially Jackson Arnold, um, depending on how he looks when he comes in in the spring. Yeah. Um, and I, and I don't think it's out of the question that, that if, if they're not super stoked about any of these guys, or if they think Arnold's the guy, but he's just not ready yet, that they don't dig back into the transfer portal again next year. Um, right. I mean, that's, that's the world we live in now with college football. Yep. It's a free agency almost year round. It feels like for sure. Right. Um, let's tie this back to, um, to Evers. Uh, you kind of saw in the mock draft where he didn't really go in the first three rounds, uh, but he was being considered, you know, I think as we got into the fourth, maybe fifth or sixth round, you know, people would start picking interest in Nick Evers. I mean, why would you not take the shot, especially with, you know, some of the he's got great tangibles. I mean, he could fit the system really well. Uh, so it's a systems type situation, just like uh, you saw, especially Jared. He's a big on systems guy. And I know you're a big systems guy, too, at times, too. But um, do you think Evers is worth maybe a top seven rounds or do you think you just uh, hope he falls and just take the value there? Or do you think it's a complete pass on Evers and just wait for Arnold maybe in the 2023 freshman draft? What's your thoughts there? I uh, definitely I don't think it's a complete pass just because of that. Um, I wouldn't say Konami code, but there is right. there is really there's a really, really high ceiling if he wins this job because he's got that same type of athleticism that we saw out of Matt Corral last year. This is a guy that if given, I I think if he got the job, he would be given 150 carries. And if given 150 carries, I don't think 700 yards and 10 touchdowns is, is totally out of the equation. I think that's within his uh, range of outcomes. So anytime you've got a, uh, a dual threat, Jeff Levy quarterback option, um you you need to take a stab at it so um yeah yeah, i mean he's somebody i could picture in uh in freshman drafts um you know going in kind of that round four to six range Mm -hmm. uh somebody that's comfortable with the risk of of knowing that he's not going to play year one and that he's probably going to have a little bit of a battle on his hands for year two but if he wins that battle um it's kind of sky's the limit type scenario yeah 
Yeah, I feel like if uh, he's starting to drop, and I mean, you don't see like a big quarterback because uh, you got to read the room. You got to look at how your league mates are doing stuff like that. So if they're taking quarterbacks left and right, it might be a good time to go ahead and snatch Evers up just to have him, you know, stash him in the bench and stuff like that. But there's no quarterback run and he's going like seventh round. Take the value. I mean, I think it's worth a shot. I mean, as seventh round, you're not really worried about uh, hitting every single one. I mean, you want to. But that's where the first three or four rounds you kind of want to hit on your guys and make sure that you have people that have a fair shot at, you know, getting the playing time and the opportunity for sure. So keep an eye out on Evers. We think that he's, you know, definitely capable of being drafted, um, but just temper expectations that he may or may not uh, get the spot he's going to have to fight for. So kind of keep that in mind. Uh, any last thoughts on the QB room before we move to the wide receivers? Good, sir. No, I think we've, I think we've covered it all. All right, let's move on. And, of course, this is the package deal. So we got to talk about Jaden Gibson. <laughs> so, of course, he's a four-star recruit, 24-7 sports grade. Had him at 0.9291. Uh, he's a 6'5 wide receiver. He came in at 191 pounds, uh, 27th overall wide receiver in the 22 class. Uh, this is where, you know, I, I started to – my eyes lit up a little bit more. So he's a three-sport athlete. So he does basketball. He does, of course, football and track. And so that's all the ones where it's a lot of hand-eye coordination and a lot of speed. So um, he was the 2021 the go-to target for West Orange there. Uh, they did win the t- uh, the district there, went 11-2. and um, And, of course, he uh, played in the Sunshine State's uh, 8A classification. He did average 15.3 uh, yards per catch, which I think is – Pretty, pretty outstanding. Uh, 2020, uh, he was the key player for West Orange squad that went six and four, and they made the state playoffs. Um, so, you know, as he's progressed, he's always seen uh, playoff potentials and stuff like that. Uh, Alfred did his write up, and he said he seems to be, uh, you know, less than some of his parts. So he has a tantalizing, uh, tantalizing individual traits such as hands, length, and deep. But he says he projects towards a outside X. Do you kind of see that as like an X, and not a Y, or you know the Z type spot, or do you think he's more uh, one dimensional? Do you think he has the capable of uh, putting all those traits together? That's where Alfred sees uh, the the dis the discontinuing of Jaden Gibson's that he has all these tangibles, but he's not putting them together. I just think that's development, and you know when you get to college and they just put it all together for him. Uh, he sees him as a wide receiver, too, down the road. What's your thoughts on Gibson and this fit as far as for Oklahoma? And do you think his tangibles will all kind of add up and he'll, he can kind of play that X spot? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think from the from the tape that I've watched on on Jane Gibson that I, th- I think um, Alfred's assessment there is, is, is pretty fair and pretty accurate from what I've seen. Um, he's a guy that in high school has been able to beat people with his beat, beat cornerbacks with his size and speed and not really have to – show much refinement in his game um not have to show much route running uh he could be a little inconsistent at times with his hands because he can just straight up tower over guys and um and has good speed to where he can he can i mean just run go routes all day long and be very very successful at it so um that that was the interesting thing with spring practices. Okay, how is he going to respond at that next level, going right. up against um, you know P five level uh, defensive backs and that type of thing? And then all reports seem to be pretty good that um, he was working hard to refine his game. So I, I think that that's a that's a positive sign um, and something that um, you know Alfred probably didn't have uh, the information on whenever he had done that write up. So. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's going to be a boundary guy uh, just based off of his uh, his physique. Uh, he's not going to be somebody that is going to um, uh, tantalize you uh, with his ability uh, after the catcher or, or even be able to really 
cut in and out of breaks at, at an elite level. Um, but he's somebody that has, um, you know, he's six foot five already has potential to be in that kind of 210, 215 um, weight range, which is really nice. Um, somebody that can be just uh, a bigger red zone target that has the speed to also make uh, plays down the field. Yep. Um, and has he been able to add any weight? Is he still around the 190? Or have you heard of course rates moved up some? I think he's he's added a little bit of weight. Um, I don't from what I've from what I've heard, it's not like uh, significant. But I, I think that they're they're pleased so far with the direction uh, of his uh, of him being able to put on good weight. Yeah, I mean at 191, that's still really good. But if you can get 200 and gain the muscle, uh, he had like what we talked about. He has the height. Six five is fantastic. I mm-hmm. mean, if you see these big body receivers, man, they can just get out and uh, kind of just a tower above. You know, even if you have a harder competition with the corners and stuff like that, you know, sometimes you just need a high pointed. You know, boom, you got a good catch. So as long as he's gaining that, I, I'm really, uh, I'm really interested in Gibson here in the coming years as well. So let's mm-hmm. talk about you know. You know what what he's got to go up against but first uh has had 1631 total receiving yards 18.5 average receiving yards per game uh 22 receiving touchdowns had 35 fbs offers man that is ridiculous and i didn't even get to the fcs because i had to count you know down the road how many that he had so he was still highly touted so um you know regardless of how raw he is i think he's you know still a guy that everyone wants to have on this on the roster and it just made it easier for oklahoma to put in the package deal with evers and gibson kind of together i think that's a really good pairing there as well uh but we have some returning players that uh are starting up as well so of course we have the returning junior of course that is marvin men's uh 14 games started 134 fantasy points that is 10.3 fantasy points per game he's 98 percent rostered and he's 88 percent started a lot of people think that Marvin Mins is the go-to uh, guy at Oklahoma, and him and Gabriel are going to light it up. Are you opposed to that at all, or do you think you know Marvin Mims is the clear breadwinner in the situation, or do we see some of these guys that we'll talk about here in just a minute kind of feeding into that and where it's spread out more often? What's your thoughts here? Uh, you've kind of seen the Jeff Levy system, so what's your what's your thoughts as the new OU kind of puts itself together? Yeah, Mims is that dude. Um, he's he's yeah. going to be the guy. Yeah, he he's in my opinion, he's the clear wide receiver one, um, and that's and that's valuable. That's valuable in a Levy in a Jeff Levy offense. We saw, um, I mean, obviously we saw what Elijah Moore and Ontario yep. Drummond did for for Levy at Ohio State. They were they were amazing. Um, he Levy has a system where he runs. That's the thing. He while they run, you know, upwards of eighty-five to ninety plays a game, they finished, you know, top five in the country in plays per game and pace um, the last the last couple of years. Uh, they don't really sub out wide receivers as much as you might think. They play yeah. the same three dudes for a big portion of that, and they um, he demands that his wide receivers are in great shape because of that. Um, and and you get you get you get peppered with targets whenever you're a starting wide receiver in Levy's offense, especially if you're the clear cut number one, like we saw from Moore and Drummond and even um, Gabriel uh, at uh, central Florida, who's, yep. uh, you know, over there at the bills now. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think Mims is that dude and um, I think he's in store for a really nice season. Yeah, to put it into context, we also had Mario Williams. Of course, Mario Williams is now at USC. So even with uh, well, Mario Williams there, Marvin Mims still averaged 10.3 fantasy points per game. So I do expect that to go up, you know, more into, would you say 14 fantasy points per game, or would you say even higher than that uh, as we go into that? What's your thoughts there as far as uh, 
I guess you would say the overall production as far as who would catch what. Men's being the guy, do you yeah. think he's capable of a 15 fantasy point average, or do you think it would be kind of just under that? What are you What are you thinking? Um, I, hard for me to say as far as a point. I mean, that that kind of depends on on your scoring system or, right, or whatnot. True. But I mean, I I think Marvin Mims uh, is a borderline top 10 CFF wide receiver this year. There you so, go. Um, however, your scoring system is he's somebody that I would that I would definitely target within the first. Uh, eight to 10 wide receivers off the board. Yes. So I think that 88% started needs to jump up probably to about 95% for sure. Let's talk about Theo Weiss because I'm interested because I did hold Weiss for a whole year. He did go down an injury in 2021. So he just completely did not uh, play at all. He did have 11 games started in the previous year as well. Uh, he is 90% rostered. I am one of those guys. It's 22% started. I am intrigued. I have him in a flex, but I would be interested in maybe playing a wide receiver too. Tell me what you think about Theo Weiss. How's he doing in camp? Is he uh, looking better, much improved? Um, do you think he becomes more of the Mims role like Mims was last year with Mario? Do you think that kind of one-two pairing, or do you think this is a, a fruit situation where he comes in as the sophomore and kind of takes over wide receiver too? What's your, what's your thoughts there? So he's healthy. Um, all indications are he's looking good. Uh, he's going to be ready to go. And it's, it's going to be – I mean, I, I think the clear – uh, I'm kind of jumping the gun when I'll just add Farouk in into kind of this mix. Sure. I think the clear top three are Mims, Theo Weiss, and Farouk. I think those are going to be the guys that get the bulk of 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 the play, like I mentioned with Levy and how he likes to feature a three guys. Uh, Weiss and, and Farouk will be on the outside. Mims will be on the inside. Um, as, as far as being able to differentiate between Mims and Farouk, I mean, I, I'm sorry, uh, Weiss and Farouk, um, it's, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see how, uh, Weiss's experience plays and, 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 yeah. and how much Gabriel's going to be able to trust in him because of that. I think from a raw ability, um, in, in speed and being able to make, um, break big plays and stuff like that, I actually think Farouk might be better in that sense, but mm -hmm. there's always a chance that Gabriel is you know, going to trust the, the more experienced player. Here's, here's another thing that I've also considered too. Early indications are, is that Weiss is going to play on the boundary to the left of Gabriel. Farouk will be okay. to the right. Normally I don't get into that's That's usually, that's just semantics. Gabriel's right. a, Gabriel's a lefty and everything I've heard, uh, I've been broken down film with him at, at UCF, but everything I've heard, he peppers deep balls to the left. Um, okay. He doesn't, he isn't as comfortable going across his body over to the right side. If that's the case, and we see that that pretty steady um, configuration with Weiss out to the left, um, then that stands to to be a I would think a positive thing for him if he's going to be one of the first checkdowns or one of the first options that uh, that Gabriel goes to before he checks the ball down. So, um, so I mean, I right now would give a, a little bit of a heads up um, uh, for for Weiss over Farouk at this point. Yeah, just for those that aren't watching on the YouTube, like as far as percent started on fan tracks, it's really separated by 2%, 24% actually for Farouk, 22% for Wee. So a lot of people are high on Farouk and the uh, the ascension that's really going on there. I think, you know, uh, this year he's into the wide receiver three. I think next year, I think honestly becomes his time because Weiss and Marvin, more, more more than likely Marvin Mintz, if I was smart with him, if with the draft stock, I would probably take the NFL draft. Whereas Weiss is a senior, so regardless if he graduates or he goes to the NFL, they both are gone. So Farouk's in for a massive season in 2023, but uh, he's definitely ascending now. Uh, let's talk about one of the uh, a couple of honorable mentions. So we have a couple of transfers coming in. LB Bunkley Shelton, of course, uh, I believe he's from what Minnesota. 
the Gophers, right? No, he's uh, no. from Arizona State. Well, I don't blame him for leaving Arizona State whatsoever. <laughs> uh, we also have. I'm, sure, I'm sure their camp. I'm sure their campus is nicer than Norman. Yeah, yeah, but you know. <laughs> You, but you see the situation lot, going on there. But there's a lot of dumpster fires happening on their football field. So yes, that's that's absolutely <laughs> correct. Uh, you also have Drake Stoops, who's uh you know one of the fan favorites as well, and JJ Hester, who transferred in as well. So you got some guys uh, that definitely got the depth. Um, Levy's not the guy like Ryan Day, where he does the hockey thing, where he just swaps three out, you know, type situation. Right. So do you think Bunkley Shelton? Uh, you know, I know he's coming into you know at least a better opportunity, I would say probably, and better quarterback play for sure. Do you think he sees the field? Uh, uh, at all, or do you think he's kind of a guy that sits? Uh, does he take a red shirt and just kind of waits it out? What are, what are your thoughts on, on Bunkley Shelton? No, I think they'll I think they'll play him. I don't know how much or how many uh, how much um, you know he's going to play a role this year. I definitely think he is a guy to look for to break out more next year in twenty twenty three. But yeah, it, it would probably have to be something where somebody's going to have to go down or um Weiss just doesn't look himself like you pre-injury Theo right. Weiss or Farouk just um you know doesn't live up to uh some of the expectations that I think the staff and, and the fans have for him right now so I, I wouldn't count out JJ Hester or uh LV Bunkley Shelton getting some run this year just because there is some uncertainty on those outside receiver positions right so um but I do think right now they're probably sitting as uh as wide receivers four and five i got you and then jake stoops he's kind of the depth piece there or is he yeah he'll, he'll back up there? he'll back up mims and um and he'll he'll get some he'll get some run whenever whenever mims needs a breather and you know he's one of those guys this the staff i'm sure trust drake stoops to to make some plays here and there but he definitely if if he's if he's getting um the bulk of the snaps and something probably went wrong for for a yeah <laughs> Um, so, you know, bring that back to Gibson and, you know, you see the depth chart and stuff like that, where do you think he fits in in 2023? Uh, well, obviously this is probably going to just be kind of like a, you know, the way that Austin says, like, is he, you know, why, you know, you're one zero type situation for a wide receiver for Jaden Gibson, but do you think he's got the chance to hit 2023 or do you think he's a development and then 2024, uh, you know, if him and Evers are still around where that's kind of his breakout was, what's your, what's your thinking process of, of Gibson? kind of as the yeah. chart starts to turn over with the with the eligibility and things like that. Well, I mean, obviously things have changed a little bit for him and, and his yeah. likelihood to play early over the last, um, you know, we're sitting here in early June. Over the last few weeks, we've seen uh, OU snag Hester and LV, LV Bunkley and from the, from the transfer portal. So mm -hmm. that has kind of pushed him down. Um, just due to their experience and, and their skill set and that type of thing, I, more than likely that's pushed Jaden Gibson down the the pecking order a little bit. Uh, but I mean, he's raw. He's got he needs to develop. This is going to give him time to develop. I don't expect much from him out of year one. That being said, uh, he does carry a unique size and skill set that none of the other wide receivers sure. on staff have. I mean, at six foot five, he towers. And that that was that was I, I will say that a lot of the spring practice reports for for the reporters that would get in and get a look to see what everybody's looking like, everybody came back and said, "Oh my God, Jaden Gibson is a monster among boys mm -hmm. from a size." We, even just standing in line, he looks like it's not hard to pick him out. So, right. 
so that said, I don't think it's out of the question that he could get some some run in some particular packages near the red zone, near the end zone. Either him or, or true freshman Caden Helms, who's also of similar size, could could be somebody that splits out and is somebody that gets jump balls in the corner of the end zone type deal. So, yeah. um, but that's probably um, that's probably his ceiling for twenty two. 23, I think he's very much going to be in the mix um, as as um, as we see Weiss and Mims move on as yeah. as somebody that has a chance to take uh, a big step forward. And like we talked about, kind of like with with Evers, um, it's a levy system that um, the ceiling is is pretty high, and you might want to invest in in just for the hopes that that guy becomes the next man up. Yeah, um, I I see. Gibson kind of slipping too, as far as drafts and stuff like that is concerned, especially if you're doing supplemental, you could probably catch them in later rounds. Yeah. Uh, what round would you kind of consider comfortable taking Gibson? Would you kind of move up because, you know, you, you know, if he, if he hits, he's there, or are you going to kind of just play on the value and hope that people kind of forget about him like they do with, uh, with Salchuk and just kind of grab it on the value? What, what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, he's somebody that I'm probably, you know, just like I said, because of the new wide receivers that are coming in, we're, we're not going to get to to see as much of him this year. I always like to say, okay, if, if I draft this guy and like, I want to draft expecting that his value is more a year from the time that I took him. If I think right. his value is going to be the same, then I'm probably not that interested in him. So um, I think he's somebody that his value, we could see a rise in his value um, because of whims, Mims and Weiss moving on. Uh, he could slide into that starting role um, next year. So, but yeah, I mean, right now I'm still waiting for um, the right value with him and, and, and probably waiting, you know, probably in that round eight to 10 range somewhere in there, yeah. um, just kind of seeing where he falls. Yeah, uh, if we were to do the four through seven, say a mock draft on that one, honestly, he would. I mean, he's on the list, but he definitely would fall probably yeah. eight, nine for me as well. So I definitely in agreement there as well. Um, looking at the return in production, thanks to uh, Nick and CFB winning edge there. Uh, overall, Oklahoma has fifty-seven point two three returning, which is ninetieth ranked in FBS, but conference rank is pretty fifth. That's pretty solid. It's in the top one hundred. Uh, offensive return though, forty-six point two four. And FBS ranked, uh, of course, 114th. A lot of that has to do, that's not just, you know, the wide receiver, running back, quarterback, that's also O-line, uh, tight ends and stuff like that. Looking at this in particular, um, you know, you have a lot coming back. An offensive return is almost at 50%. Uh, there's a lot of room to grow. And just kind of to touch on uh, a previous episode, we talked about Caden Helms with Chris Moxley. And I know in our uh, Slack chat that you brought up Caden Helms. Uh, before we move on and talk about uh, the Big Fish Small Pond, uh, what's your thoughts on the tight end room real quick on Oklahoma? Do you still think Helms is doing it, or do you think some of the tight ends have kind of come up, caught up since uh, spring and stuff like that as far as who might be starting this year? What's your, what's your thinking on the tight end room as we, as we move on? Um, that my, my opinion hasn't really changed much on the tight ends. I think that Braden Willis will be the, the tight end one this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, Parker will be used in, in, in mostly blocking specific Daniel Parker. He He's, he's mm-hmm. the um, – transfer from Missouri. Uh, I think he'll use mostly as a blocking type role. And I think Caden Helms uh, has the potential to see the field, um, you know, in bits and pieces throughout the season as, Mm -hmm. as somebody that splits out right now, he's not ready to take um, uh, a spot on the line and and block uh, P five edge rushers and that type of thing. But I think he's somebody that they'll split out 
find uh, find a role for. He'll get some time late in games just to kind of see what he's what he's made of. Um, but they like what they see out of him from a pass catcher perspective. So, uh, yeah. which is which is obviously from CFF what perspective that's what we want you know we want a guy exactly. that'll that'll get out there and get you you know 50 plus catches as a tight end so um yeah. i i think i think there's from from the tight end the incoming uh tight end class um he's somebody that i would definitely be targeting as as a as a top five tight end in this class um for dynasty cff yeah absolutely i would definitely take honestly i almost would think about helms versus like a Gibson, almost, I don't know, maybe in the similar rounds, but I would say probably I would target Helms a tad bit more than I would Gibson immediately. So uh, just thoughts there as well. But, uh, you know, I wanted to give you a nice pretty picture here on YouTube of Oklahoma, see the red and white around as you <laughs> saw it as well. So, uh, but great pr- returning production. Looks like Oklahoma's in good hands. It looks like the crossover, you know, between going to Venables and now with Levy in the system. I think it was a great transition. I know it looked sketched there at first, but it looks like they're all coming together, especially on an offensive standpoint. So it's good to see Oklahoma ba- bounce back so quickly. All right. I think I, I think I can see. I think I can see my old uh, college house, the roof from. from oh, here. were you in the apartments <laughs> in the back? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the apartments to the back and then slightly to the left. We used to okay. uh, on game days. It okay. was nice. We we were a stone's throw away from the uh, stadium, so we oh, could uh, we could we could charge uh, for for parking and, parking, and we had our whole um, fall rent paid for just off parking alone because of the uh, the five or six Saturdays out of the year. So yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's cool that we could catch the apartment on there. I bet the tailgating <laughs> was fantastic, man. You can probably hear the game right outside the, the yard. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. And look at I mean, we saw what it was in the spring game, man. They fill up that stadium real fast there in Oklahoma. So people are excited, man. Uh, they should be. You guys got a sick roster. So I'm pretty stoked, especially for my Wii shares. And hopefully I could grab up some barns. We'll see how it goes as well. So all right, man. You ready for the big fish small pond? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, we're going to talk about Mr. Jalen Moss. He is a three-star athlete, a 24-7 sports grade. They've had it at 0.8741. He has committed to the Fresno State Bulldogs. Uh, the guy is six foot one, uh, 164 pounds. We'll talk about that in just a second. That's probably, I think, where he dropped a little bit. Um, but he's 88th overall wide receiver in the 22 class. Um, he is the highest rated recruit class for the 2022 class for Fresno State, which I thought was very interesting. So when I was looking for Big Fish Small Pond, of course, I look for G5. Um, I look for a guy that's still rated fairly highly as far as 24-7 is concerned, but still has an opportunity to go along with it as well. Um, 2021 stats, he has 1,127 yards, 58 catches. He averaged 93.9 yards per game. Of course, this was high school. Um, 19.4 yards per catch, which was even greater than, uh, I believe, Gibson that we talked about, and he had 15 touchdowns. Um, so he did start the 29 games. Uh, he had plenty of time. Uh, he helped uh, lead his uh, college there to 9-3, and 5-0 uh, conference record in the season as well. Uh, but here's the interest. He had Arizona State. I see why he chose Fresno State. There's Nebraska, though, which I think was a decent opportunity. Oregon, Oregon State as well. Colorado State, who, uh, you know, just has a pretty decent Colorado State, has a good wide receiver, at least every single year for the most part. Nevada, I know there's change over there, uh, so he might have got offers from both. And then UNLV. So, I mean, he's had some pretty decent ones. The kid is a, you know, looks like he's a California kid, so he's going to stay on the West Coast. But that's some pretty good names in the FBS to go along with it as well. Um, there is a changeover as far as Tedford becoming the new head coach. Of course, uh, DeBoer, I believe, has gone to Washington. Uh, but that still has a lot of the same returning stuff, and we'll talk about that. Of course, uh, 
you know, we have Jalen Cropper, who is the returner. He is the senior, the wide receiver. He started 15 games. Uh, amazing season. 266.5 fantasy points, 20.5 fantasy points per game, 100% roster, 73% started. I don't see why you wouldn't have Cropper there. Um, I know, uh, where did you have Cropper rated overall, Nate, on yours? Was he top 15 or was he? With my wide receivers? Yeah, with your wide receivers. No, I'm, prob- I'm probably actually the, I think we talked about this. I'm, I'm, yeah. maybe, the, I'm maybe the lowest um, That's right. of our group. I think I'm somewhere around like 22, 23, something like that on on him. My, my concerns are more with Tedford right. than it is Cropper's ability. But, but right. yeah, I'm probably the lowest. Yeah. I mean, still, I mean, if even if, you know, you're right and he goes top 20 wide receivers, I still think that's a really good season and definitely a, a wide receiver that we can see roster. And of course, he's a senior, so they're looking for people as well. They also got uh, Nico Rim- Uh He's a senior as well. 17 games started. He did transfer from Cal. He did have 85.5 fantasy points and 7.8 fantasy points per game with California. He's 2% roster, 2% started. So if you're looking for a flyer or maybe someone that might have a second option, uh, but one of my favorites as far as the backup, of course, is Josh Kelly. He's the wide receiver at a junior. Great supplemental guy if you can get him as well. Um, however, there's some smart people that are out there that already have him in Dynasty, so we can't get him in supplemental because he's already been taken. Uh, but uh, 13 games started, 149.8 fantasy points, which is 11.5 fantasy points per game. That's pretty solid. 43% rostered, 8% started. So a lot of people are thinking Josh Kelly is going to be a great flex play um, for CFF this year even with Cropper there as well. Um, do you think with uh, with Jalen Moss, because he has – he's 164. From what I've heard, he's moved up to maybe 170-something, but it hasn't been a lot. Fresno State isn't like Oklahoma where you can, you know, have the weight-type program, but they're, you know, they're still fairly credible. Do you think because of Tedford that it can't bolster, you know, two wide receivers, or do you think it goes back to where they're just focusing on the connection between Cropper and Hayner, or what, what's your thinking there when it comes to Fresno State and the outlook? For this year we'll start with that first for this year um I, I mean i i have a fair amount of confidence with it i mean you've got jake hayner who's been around mm-hmm. plenty long and has been very productive and he's got his guys i mean he's you know i mean that's that's there shouldn't be a massive drop off um from DeBoer to tetford in year one um because the pieces are all in place there. Uh, yeah. Hayner, Cropper, Pope, Kelly. I mean, that's uh, Ty Jones. I mean, th- there's some really nice, some really nice pieces there. Jordan Mims catches the ball really well at the back. I mean, the, yeah. some really nice pieces there. So I, I would be surprised yeah. if there's a um, if there's a massive drop um, between you know as as year one under under Tedford. My concerns are more long term. Okay, next year we've, we're another year removed from DeBoer mm-hmm. and we lose Hayner. How does that passing game look then? Do they bring right. in, do they bring in a, um, you know, a, a transfer quarterback with just kind of what that situation plays out. So that, that would be long-term more of my concern than I am concerned for 2022. I got you. Um, the reason why I don't want to bring up Jalen Moss and I, is, is I see opportunity. So you have Cropper, who's a senior. Uh, Rimmage is the transfer. He's a senior. Josh Kelly is a junior. If Josh Kelly has an incredible season along with Jalen Cropper, I can see Kelly maybe looking into the NFL. I, I see more Kelly as the returner. So next year, I see Josh Kelly as you know the wide receiver one. But Jalen Moss has a lot of the same stature, size, and a lot of the same tangibles as they're pretty much when they were talking about his recruiting stuff out there. Uh, you know, the coaches were talking how Jalen Moss kind of fits as that guy that could 
be a generally proper replacement as the the years kind of go on. So that sparked my interest a little bit more. Now he has a lot a lot more you know beefing up to do to kind of fit into his mold at six one. You know if he was up in near one ninety or one even one eighty five, I think that'd be great. A lot of people don't know that Jalen Cropper only sits at hundred and eighty something pounds. So I mean you know to be as good as he is, he's not you know the most beefiest wide receiver, but he doesn't have to be because he gets it done. You know as far as his route running and stuff like that. Jalen Moss has pretty clean looking tape from what I saw for the most of it. There's still room for improvement and stuff like that, but he was pretty crisp as far as like getting off the line and separating himself and stuff like that. And to be one of the highest recruited rooted, you know, guys in, you know, the 2022 class, Fresno State, you know, they can't just have everyone coming to him. So they're very, you know, picky and choosy about who they choose. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I see where Jalen Moss comes in. Uh, I do see a transfer process with Fresno State. I know they have a, I forget who it was. It was a, the, the guy that, the boys. He just did the uh, Elite 11 one for us. Oh, Kevin, Kevin Coleman. So he did, uh, he's a Fresno State guy. So he's saying that one of the recruits coming in, the four star, looks pretty promising. But I could see where Tefford could probably pull a, uh, you know, maybe the Washington connection. You never know. You might see someone transfer out of there, things like that. But I think Moss, if given a decent quarterback, has the opportunity to kind of make that happen. I'm not saying it's this year, um, it, maybe with an injury or something like that. But, uh, you know, I'm saying in 2023, he definitely has the opportunity and the kid's not going drafted at all. He, I mean, he's barely even talked about, like I said, I had to kind of scroll down to find him there at the 88th position there over a wide receiver, but he's got the tangibles. If someone hits on him and just stashes him away, this possibly could pay off. Do you kind of have the same mindset or are you completely uh, just kind of be a wait and see or hands off approach for Fresno state? Or are you kind of looking to maybe invest because of what you've seen in the past, hoping that it would kind of be, I know you said, Tefford's different from DeVore. You know, I know right. that, but what, what do you think right. overall as far as Moss having the opportunity, I guess, yeah. to uh, be a CFF asset? What you think? Yeah, so he's he's a guy that was, that's was been on my radar um, for a little bit now, but I, I was able to take a little bit deeper dive um, as, as you put him here um, that we were going to be talking about him. I mean, the the first thing I gravitate towards when I'm looking at these G5 guys is, okay, what does your offer sheet look like? Right. And and as you mentioned, you you rattled off a number of those uh, P five programs, and and that that Oregon offer looks really really salty. I mean, when you're you're yeah. you're looking at 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 G five guys, and you've got somebody like I mean, Nebraska offers everybody, so I don't care about that. They they, <laughs> they literally they they offer everybody. Um, but Oregon, man, Oregon, Oregon State, um, that those are real two really nice offers. Yeah. Uh, so that interests me. Even though he's only 160, 165, I watch his tape and it doesn't concern me that much. He's got a yeah. decent frame. I think he's going to put on weight during his time. I don't think mm -hmm. it's going to affect his movement skills. Um, so I'm not, even though he's 165, I'm not concerned about it. I love the fact that he's 6'1, mm -hmm. uh, six foot, 6'1. Six That's good. Um, I think he's going to put on some weight and be a guy that pushes, you know, 185, 190 by the time he's a junior um so and and i like i like his ball skills i like um you know that he's he's able to you know beat people deep he's got some really nice hands Does, um yeah. there's a there's a lot to like um I, i'm with you i don't know how much he's gonna be able to play a role just because of how many wide receivers they have coming back this year mm -hmm. um but next year, uh, we could be looking at Sky's Lemon. I will say, you've mentioned a couple times that Cropper is a senior. Cropper does have another year of eligibility. Uh, after he might this be a super year. senior. Yeah, so he's uh, because of because of uh, COVID and and all that. Yeah. He he actually has two years of eligibility left. Wow. Um, but Zane Pope's 
same Zane Pope is on his last season. Um, Ty mm-hmm. Jones is on his last season. Um, Josh Kelly uh, will, will more than likely be back, I would think, and unless something mm-hmm. changes. But uh, either way, I mean, you're looking at wide receiver two. If Cropper were to come back, I would say that's probably 50-50. But, I mean, yeah. even if he were, you're looking wide receiver two or three at the worst next year. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he's got a skill set and, and a size that you don't generally see at Fresno State. So um, it would not surprise me at all if he's if he's one of their go-to playmakers next year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so looking at the actual Fresno State return production, and uh, once again, thanks to Nick, Fresno State's got a decent stadium for those watching on YouTube. It's not bad looking at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, they're 75.68% uh, returning production. That's 17th in the FBS and the conference rank that's absolutely first. Of course, their offensive returning is 80.79, FBS rank being 16th. So they got a lot of guys coming back this year. So we're saying that Jalen Moss technically should be a, a, a wash for this year. But I still think he's worth at least putting on the watch list, um, definitely you know circling the name and highlighting it on there, just because I think if you can get him when no one's paying attention now and just kind of sit on it, it does depend on your roster. You know, uh, you know I've said it many times on the other podcasts don't clog your rosters but if no one's you know paying attention to this type of stuff uh maybe just for those that are listening or those that kind of deep dive like i do and just look for someone that can kind of carry on the same tradition or the carry on the same type of uh situation that they previously have with another receiver i'm kind of looking for that situation as well it's just not going to happen this year because everyone's coming back so it's going to make fresno state look hopefully more of a veteran team and uh that hopefully bodes well uh, against their opponents and stuff like that. Um, what's your thoughts on, you know, uh, picking waivers and things like that particular? I know each person has a different strategy. I never really asked you, are you a guy that just puts a lot of people on the watch list or do you kind of do it like I do and just maybe take them Blake flyers and drafts, especially with supplemental. If you got like over 16 rounds, are you taking them anyway? What's your thoughts process when it comes to supplemental freshmen, things like that, particular with the deep dive. Um, I mean, honestly, like I said, it just it comes down to what's the potential within the system and how quickly can you get on the field? Those are the two main things that I look at. Um, If if you're in a great system, but I don't think you have any chance of getting on the field anytime soon, um, then I'm I'm, I'm probably going to push you aside for a while and just kind of wait and see how things shake out. But if you have that combination of of great system can get on the field early, then you're somebody that I'm going to be targeting um, quite often and and not not letting get to the waiver wires um, because then somebody else is going to have an equal chance to go snag them up. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And with, uh, you know, FAB, so free agent acquisition budget, pretty much you're out betting for that. Just don't get into bidding wars. What I'm saying is plan ahead. Uh, if Jalen right. Moss is a guy that you can see producing here very soon, don't do that as well. Um, but, Nate, I want to thank you for coming on to the show, buddy doing a deep dive for Oklahoma. Uh, if you want, you can tell the listeners and the guys watching uh, what you got coming up. I know we're deep into the CFF guy, but do you got any other sweet articles or anything like percolating that you're uh, got coming up possibly soon? I, uh, I spend most of my time working on the, on, on the guide and, and the team yeah. pages and that type of thing. Um, I've got a, I've got a few articles that I've got in the very early stages. Um, I'm hoping to be able to get them out this summer uh, in between some of the stuff we're working on with the guide. So, and then obviously yeah. Um, you know, I, I stay pretty active on Twitter at CFF Nate. So anybody that wants to talk college football or 
fantasy football or craft uh, microbrews, uh, feel free to um, hit me there, and I'll I'll, I'll gladly uh, chime yes. in with my opinions. Yes, Nate's the guy to hit up when you're in different towns. You're like, hey, what's the best brewer to go to? Nate's got you. He 100%. He at least probably knows one or two, maybe in each state. I don't know, maybe West Coast, but he definitely knows currently over here on the East. Fresno State, Tioga uh, Sequoia is a uh, great microbrewery in Fresno, uh, California. So if, there you if, go. If, if the Fresno State fans are listening in towards the end of this to talk about Jalen Moss, uh, go hit up uh, Tioga Sequoia and, uh, and and have a good beer over there. Yes, and uh, hopefully we might get to travel in the future with, with the C2C. So if we get to do that, We'll definitely be hitting up each state, and I'll be collecting probably a mug or two and just have a whole 50-state collection. That's the goal, at least. Um, but right. I want to thank you guys for uh, coming on and listening to the Future Freshman Podcast. Like I said, sorry about the delay. Just had to take a couple weeks off, but we're back. Um, we'll have some uh, other content coming soon. Uh, whether it's Future Freshman Podcast, of course, listen out for the CFFU Podcast that returns soon. Uh, so be, just keep it an air for that. Of course, CFFI Guide is being in the works, so keep an uh, eye out for that in July. Uh, and thank you for listening, and be good to each other. Peace.